Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey guys, it's Malls. It's episode 83 of Please Advise. You guys, today's a cool day because our guest is someone that I met on the internet, much like all of our other guests. Her name is Julie Bush. And Hi, girl. I know, hey, I met girl. you on the internet. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so happy. I know. I like love that you because know, I think you're like a cool person. And when you said, when you were saying that you listen to the show, I was like, seriously? Like, cool people listen to this show? Oh, every I mean, episode, girl. No offense to my <laughs> listeners, but I don't think much of you. So, like, I kind of was, I kind of was like, oh, that's really nice that like a cool person listen to my show. That's great. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Um, I'm actually annoyed by about half of you that call in, but I think that um, you're fine. Um, all right. So, Julie, well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Um, you will probably notice I don't make a ton of eye contact when I do this, and I might even just put my sunglasses on at some point. I don't know why I do that, but it's easier for me to think if I'm not looking at anything. But that's okay. You, you do you, girl. Do you, you're, but that's really good that you can be engaged. You're like looking right at me. I would be – that's in, really in like hard for me. like a Tom Cruise way? Like in, in – Not in a Scientology okay. way. Like not in like you've been trained to like, – but although I, I, I do I did think, just come from the Celebrity Center, which is right down the street. Did here. you? No. Oh, okay. I was like, she, did you go to that brunch? Yeah, I went to, um, the, to the screenwriter brunch, which we all get the – I know, right? Yeah. So what did you do today? Well, let's see. I slept in. Today's Saturday, right? You lost your cell phone and you seemed pretty calm about it when you DM'd me. Yeah, I, I'm having self. I actually didn't make it to the Apple store. Okay. <laughs> I, I meant to go to the Apple store. And I, so I'm going to try to get there tomorrow. But um, since we're going to, to Musso's, I, you know, we're going to need to like do some coordinating. Okay. But I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to be fine. But yeah, I'm going to have to go to the Apple store tomorrow. Okay. Um. I, I thought that getting here would be like a huge hassle, but it wasn't. Uh, so. No, I mean, I'm kind of amazed you did it. To be honest, I really don't know what I would do without my phone. Yeah, I'm so like people with GPS have trouble finding this place. So yeah, I you know I'm, I'm I did spend a month in Colombia uh, in January, <laughs> so you know I feel like I can kind of do anything now. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit like cool under pressure. That's that's kind <laughs> of know? amazing. So when you just got back from Colombia, right? Yeah, well, in I got back like February 1st. Okay, what was going um, on there? Well, I just I I was writing a movie, mm-hmm. which I'm still working on. Um and I also just kind of needed to get some like creative recovery and Yeah. You know, like I had just gotten off a movie and I you know that it was really intense, really intense experience. In what sense? Um it was I was on it for a long time for one thing this movie yeah. at Universal and it was um just a kind of a brutal experience just it it was a lot of pressure um right really intense Can you say what that project work. was yeah it's called uh, the sigma protocol it's a robert ludlum book uh, technically an adaptation of a robert ludlum book except for universal told me going in we do not want you reading this book right and my agent was like they don't even want you to google it like they don't want you right. knowing anything about this thing going in um they just want you just 
creating something just completely fresh. Just, okay. And um, so that was that turned into this like odyssey. <laughs> right, right, like, right. That's uh, that's even more pressure. Oh. As much as, although it's kind of freeing, like because you can go wherever you want with that. That's even more pressure, especially when something is adapted there that means that there's fans of it originally and that's very scary exactly i'm really impressed by your like taking that on to be honest i don't think i could do that and the thing is like it had been like they had been trying on this project for 15 years and they basically told me like either you hit this out of the park or the project dies right so you have to like you have to succeed where all these other screenwriters have failed right or it's your fault that it dies (laughs) And it was like it was so much pressure. Right. It was so intense. Um, luckily, I think I succeeded. Like, yeah, I'm not being rewritten. Like, you know, it, it, everybody seems to love it. Um, but but the experience of 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 having to create like this entire franchise essentially out of nothing, out of yeah. thin air, um, and, and and doing a ton of free work. I mean, yeah. Um, the thing about you know the movie business as it stands now is is you know, if you're good, you stay on a project longer and longer and longer, but you don't necessarily get paid to stay on longer and longer and longer. Right. You're, you're just sort of, you know, you get stuck with your original contract and then it's not like you go in to renegotiate. You just, no. you just stay on working and working and, it, and it's just. That's a nightmare scenario. Oh, kind of Because then you're just trapped. And like, by the way, I just want to point out, because like what I'm thinking as I'm listening to you talk is I'm like, you sound like I have kind of sounded at times in my life where I'm so over like overwhelmed, but also just like uh, burdened in a way. And like, but, but it's like, you wouldn't do anything else, but it's like so burdening. And like, I um, am realizing I'm like, oh yeah, this is again, this is why writers make a lot of money. People who write movies and people who write for television and stuff, because there's a not, I mean, you can be a secretary for six months and not need to go to Columbia to like chill, yeah. to unplug and like spiritually rehydrate. And like you get to keep that job and not like have to wait three years till you get another amazing job. Like that's, this is a, this is a very emotional profession. <laughs> that's exactly right. Because when you're a secretary, which my mom was. Yeah. Um, my mom was a house cleaner. And, and, and my mom was like a single mother and a secretary, like, you know, and, and that, that job burns you out in a different way, but it's not like you're trading, um, you know, pieces of your soul for the job. You know, it, right. it, it's like you're not kind of like mining your personal experience and your emotions and then, and then you know, picking apart your own life to then turn into a big budget movie. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, it's a paycheck. And I really, I really actually have always been envious of people that can pick up a paycheck and just go to work and get a paycheck every week. Like I... Yeah have weird fantasies about like wanting to work at the Hallmark store. I don't know what it is with the Hallmark store, but like I just picture myself and Tina the Diva or like number one listener. She worked at the Hallmark store and, and did not speak favorably of some of the experiences. But I think I'd have a lot of fun helping people pick out their greetings and, you know, organizing stuff, putting cards back, making sure the envelopes people aren't taking you know, envelopes that don't belong with the cards. I'd be a stickler about that. You know, I know the impulse to grab the pink envelope when technically you should have a white one, but that would be my job at Hallmark. And I kind of like really want that, but I can't. It would never satiate my need to like get a lot of attention. <laughs> well, you're exactly right. And I think that what you're talking about is is like a craving for simplicity. Yeah. You know, that um, <laughs> that you know, like, like I was ta- I was sort of fantasizing on Twitter the other day about how like I, I keep sort of, you know, now that I'm sort of back in Hollywood, sort of back in the mix, like I keep kind of drifting back to the Columbia where like 
all I had to do was stay alive, get yeah. to the next place, and just think, you know. And 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 it, and no one. I don't speak Spanish, so like no one understood what I had to say. So I didn't have to speak to anyone. Like I just, I just had to stay alive. That's basically. so nice when you don't have to talk to anyone because yeah. you don't speak the language. I I forgot that that's the best feeling in the world, actually. And it and it got to, and it let me just kind of zone out and kind of you know be by myself and think about my next movie and and and. And it was, it was my life was so simple for a month, yeah. you know. And and I think that Hallmark store fantasy is the same kind of thing where you're just matching the envelopes to the cards. And yeah, you're helping customers find their pill compartment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then like I'm shutting up the store and like folding my apron and going home and having a normal dinner. And like that. Yeah. But like you know, I fantasize about all of these things. Like I I keep thinking like. Oh, when I move into the house, like now the house is like what I'm projecting my desire for normalcy onto. So it's like when I move into the house, like I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to eat really healthy. Um, I'm going to like read all the time. Like I'm finally going to catch up on all those movies everyone told me I should watch 10 years ago. Um, But that's not my life. Like I need a little bit more chaos than that. Like if boring was an option for me, I would have gone with it a long time ago. It's not easy to live this tortured. Uh, and I've gotten a lot better about it. I think a lot of it was like that faux torture that you drum up in your twenties, but like, um, which I'm so aware of now, by the way, I was like, I had such drama in my life in my 20s. And now when I listen to people, I'm like, none of that's real. Like, you literally <laughs> yeah. are making that up. Like, yeah. you're anticipating things that are never going to happen. Or if they do happen, you're going to be so above them that it doesn't even matter. Like, but I still just don't, I don't see myself being the person that's like, if if I bought an elliptical machine, it would just stay in my garage. I would never, I would never go on it. It's a nice idea. It just isn't for me. I'm too buck wild. I don't know. Do you go out a lot? I don't. I'm I'm not like a go out person, which isn't to say I'm like antisocial, but I'm I'm so career oriented, which yeah. I know that like you're career or career oriented too, but you go out. Less so. I found a better balance. When I was like in my early I I actually didn't realize that I had a really, really, really unhealthy relationship with work until my third year on Two Broke Girls. Mm. When I started dating Derek, actually, yeah, I realized I had a really, really unhealthy relationship with work and that it just filled my whole life. And I didn't date for like eight months, which is like, that's kind of weird for a single 27-year-old to not be dating because you're just like nose to the grindstone, like thinking about work. And I was also running a company. It probably wasn't a good place to be dating anyone. Um, but um, – when I started dating Derek, actually, like, I really realized, oh, that was probably the thing I got from that relationship the most, actually, was that I need to have work-life balance or I'm going to be sick. Uh, and it really helped me figure that. I feel a lot better, actually. But I do wish that I – sometimes I, I wish that I was as career-oriented as I was in my early 20s. And I feel like I'm probably missing out on something because I'm not. But I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't think anybody needs to be more career oriented. You know, like I, that doesn't seem like a, a swing that. Yeah. You're I mean, unless you're on. really slacking at work, I guess, or like in life. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and you don't seem to be a person who is like, I, I don't I don't I don't get that from you. Well, thank you. I get as much as I know you. <laughs> I think that it's the. 
first of all, people always think I'm like stronger and more impressive or whatever than I am. I And I actually discussed that in therapy last week when I was like, when people are nice to me and like say things to me like, oh, like you're kind of intimidating or something. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? Like, I was like, I don't see any of those things. When people are like, are surprised that I date assholes. Like, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, of course I date assholes. But like, that's, uh, so that's that. That's that piece of it. But um, here's the thing that kind of fucked me up is that, did you go to college? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I never grew out of the feeling of being a college student, which is that, like more can be done. So why am I not doing it? Like when I'm sitting at home after an abbreviated day writing with Todd and I technically like it's only 4 p.m. Like I could work till seven, but I'm going to watch like three episodes of Married at First Sight and have a glass of wine. And then it's like during that time, I'm kind of like, yeah, you worked you did your work for the day. You earned your paycheck, but you could be doing more. And that's always how I felt in college. Like whenever I was kicking it with my friends, I was like, I, I haven't done my homework. Like I could have read that. I could have reread that. I could be getting better grades. I could be doing, you know, but that's, I think that's my Capricorn pressure coming through. What's your son? Cancer. Me oh, too. that's my mom. Okay. You're sensitive. My what's mom's a date? cancer. Uh, July 13th. Oh, July 4th. Oh, Okay. My construction guy is a cancer as well. I'm surrounded by cancers right now. I think, no, Todd just had his birthday. Yeah. I don't really have any friends right now. I don't. <laughs> she, she says that while you were looking dead at me. <laughs> I mean, like, I just don't see anyone anymore. It's so sad. Like, I literally looked at my construction worker the other day and I said, I want to tell you something. And he was like, what? I was like. I think right now you're my best and only friend. <laughs> when I saw in your snaps you were hanging out with Ed and then um, no, I mean, one I of the pump people, guys. But I just feel like <laughs> I just I love how much you're cracking up about this. I know because I'm I'm actually like tearing up because no, it's yeah. like so funny because like I've, I've been going so fast right now that I don't even it. You know when you look back and you're like, oh my god, that is what the last month of my life has been like. I may be done like. I had to have all of you over at once for dinner. I invited like <laughs> that was 10 so of much my fun. friends over for dinner. We had a really fun time. Yeah. But I was like, if I just don't call these 10 people, I'm never going to see them. So I might as well see them at once and just come over. Like, And so we, <laughs> we all talked about schmegma. It was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, we drank. Yeah, I made a really good <laughs> drink. Uh, I think Camden was a little wasted. Camden oh, came really? over. Yeah, I mean, the vodka drinks were really strong. I realized after, I don't think she'll appreciate me saying she's wasted. I just have never seen her get loose with cocktails before. It was almost like... She was making me drink some of her cocktail. Yeah. so She's a small girl. Oh, by the I way... I loved it. She's great. She's awesome. Uh, I sent her a postcard today. Spoiler alert. But wait, one second. I wanted to tell you that I had a realization that you, my permanent like lol christina mental image of you has changed am i wearing a top in this one (laughs) it has changed from you being stone topless on your couch covered in like cookie crumbs to like um (laughs) strappy tank you and a strappy racing up the pch drunk out of your mind (laughs) 
What? <laughs> Lip gloss all over your face in a strappy tank top. None of these things I've actually done in my okay. life. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, this is like, I just like to imagine Christina and unusual. It's kind of like Where's Waldo. I guess it's not like Where's Waldo at all, but it's kind of like I'm Mr. Potato Head, okay. you know? Kind of like I can change the scenario and get, I get my it. LOLs brown. that way. I get it. No, girl, know, you're I'm just, just interchangeable. <laughs> There's so many secrets to you. Like, I know that I feel like you're probably into some kinky stuff that I, I don't, don't want to get into it. I see. I know you are. I feel <laughs> like you might be the biggest freak of all my friends because you keep it quiet. Oh, you gotta I know you know, I know you don't like it when I say freak. I know. I know. You know I mean, like like sexual, healthy sexual appetite. Yeah. Healthy sexual appetite. You're right. I'm being really sex negative. So political. Uh, <laughs> Julie. Um, Wait, what's your new mental Im- image of me? That's my new mental image of you. Is what? It's gone from you being topless to now my permanent mental image of you is like you getting wa- like wasted driving a PCH oh, okay. in your strappy tank top. Like it's, I'm saying that that one is so good for me <laughs> that it's replaced my former permanent mental image of you. Like I, when I think about you during the week, like I'll think of you and I'll be like, oh, I wonder how she's doing. And then like my mom, I'll be like, I bet she's like fucking wasted driving a PCH <laughs> and I'll start laughing. It's great. It's a fun game. Julie, did you bring three reasons why you're qualified to give advice on today's show? Yeah, I, I did bring three reasons. I don't know how legit they are, but I'll, I'll run them by you. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to ask you three questions back after. So get ready for me to dig in. Okay. First reason. Uh, most people are idiots. Right. <laughs> so I feel like feel like they could benefit from my wisdom. I mean, yeah, the totally. fact that Trump is leading is enough <laughs> indication of how idiocracy is very real scary. Very yeah. scary. Yeah, that's the first reason. Second reason is I'm kind of codependent, mm-hmm. which I'm working on. That's good. Um, You're aware. Yeah, I'm definitely working on it. Um, but I think that's kind of like a normal thing for people who grew up with like trauma and dysfunction. Single parents, single parents, totally, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, part of codependence is is you know handing out advice, you know, willy nilly. Totally. You know? So I'm trying to like 100% rain that back. <laughs> no boundaries. Let, let it go for this next like hour and a half. Yeah. In this moment, it's it's a helpful quality. Cut it loose. Let's have um, let's have a relapse for you. Yeah, <laughs> relapse. <laughs> and fall, fall off the wagon. Um, and the third reason is I just moved into this sweet apartment block from the beach in Venice, and I kind of feel like who well who better to teach people how to live than me? Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So. Wait, yeah. that is really kind of the life. It is the life, yeah. So here are my three questions. Okay. Why Venice? Oh, Venice, I really like to swim and surf yeah. and whatnot. And and so I just kind of really wanted to be close to the beach. And then I, I, I knew about this, but I, it really hadn't been – like this wasn't the reason I moved there, but Venice is kind of like the, the tech hub of – of LA totally. right now and I write about like I write movies about technology and stuff yeah and so um, Silicon Beach yeah that's what they call it. I mean that's not why I moved there but um I'm, I'm literally living across the street from Snapchat now. oh my god I know exactly <laughs> where you're living because yeah. do you actually even know what I was about to say to you you what? know what I bet is so good in Venice what? tinder Oh, I yeah. bet your ten, like Tinder's I, really good in Venice. I'm not on Tinder, but like if I if I jump on there, then like yeah, it's because you blow can't up. be broke to live in Venice. So we know these men, unless they're fully homeless, uh, we know these men have jobs. That's good. Well, um, you know what? What I haven't looked on it, but Happen is probably really good. You know, which is like the location one. Yeah, it's kind of like Tinder, but it's like anyway. I haven't looked on any dating apps since I moved in, but like once I fire those up, then yeah. What was your most disastrous date ever? Oof. Mm. 
Let me think about that for a second. Um, and by that, I mean like not like the Seventeen magazine. Like I got my period and like I threw up everywhere. Oh, like, I have that, a really good answer actually. Oh, okay, because it oh, just happened. That. <laughs> it happened recently. Um, it was like it was probably about like six months ago. Yeah. Um, so it was like a dude from a dating app. Um, he was like a commercial real estate investor. Uh-huh. And the, the, the reason why this didn't immediately spring to mind is because I completely already mined the story from my Periscope. Um, right. So like my my fans and whatnot have completely already heard the story to the point right. where like we've like memed it and like we talk about it all the time. <laughs> but like, but your, your people haven't heard this, so I can repeat it now. So he was like, you know, he's just like a dude, like whatever, you know, but um. He was going on and on about how, like, women are naturally submissive to men uh-huh. and, like, how, like, there are, like, differences in the sexes and all this. And, you know, if you guys know anything about me, you know that, like, this is the wrong audience. <laughs> you wrote, like, a really, really great blog post that we actually shared, I think, on the Please Advise Twitter. But it was about um, what men really mean when they email women. And it was, like, kind of amazing. Like, it was oh, thank you for really, that. really great. Um, because I just think you have a very keen awareness for all of the different ways that women get fucked over in a, in a way that I've never seen anyone like so clearly articulate. It was really so. Anyway. Thank you, Malls. Like I, sure. that post really like it really came from like a, a primal, like visceral. Yeah, like, you rage could tell. Place. Yeah, you, <laughs> you could know? tell, which was good. That's what made it really good. Um, And I, I really it, I really meant everything I said. In it. You know, like it, it like I'm, I'm so like that post came from sort of the intersection of getting harassed online in real life and also harassed in Hollywood by people right. wanting me to do free work. You right. know, it's sort of like, it's, it's like that intersection was where that post came from. And yeah. um, and it was it was very real to me. And yeah. It was very emotional for it me. It was really good. So anyway, so on this date, so he was kind of going, and at first I was, I was really kind of staying polite and just trying to kind of challenge what he was saying, but still staying polite. Totally. And finally I got to the point where I said, your ideas are stupid and you're stupid. <laughs> what did say? I, like, sometimes you just got to lose it. You know you're never going to see them again. So it's like, I'm just going to, yeah. And how it ended was he he held his hand in my face. Like he was sitting like like this far away, like, t- you know, two bar stools at like Dominic's in West okay. Hollywood. Oh, God. He held his hand to like in my face like this. And he goes, you don't exist to me at all anymore. <laughs> That's like pretty. That's pretty insane. That's like really crazy. It's, it was really. I mean, I, I, most of my dates don't go like this. Yeah, you know? like no. this was very much like that's like very unusual. cunty of him. It's like I, honestly, like I would expect that from like um, a a sassy gay neighbor on a sitcom right? or something. Like you don't exist to me at all. I can't imagine a guy doing that on a date to me. That's I mean, like so weird. It, it, it was. And, and what was so weird about it was that if he felt so like dominant and so like uh, comfortable in his dominance or whatever, he wouldn't have felt the need to do that, to right. like, say any of this, you know, like right. garbage to even have said the thing to start with, you know? And so I, then I didn't know what to do. So I just sort of grabbed my bag and walked out. Right. I'm like, okay, if I don't exist, I, gotta, I don't even have to say goodbye. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. And that sucks, too. You drove all the way to fucking West Hollywood for that? That sucks. Well, that's when I was living it. I only moved to Venice like a month oh, ago. Okay. So that's when I was living more in West Hollywood. What a douche. Um, that's actually kind of crazy. It was crazy. It was, also, it was hilarious because then I got to, like, run home and, like, jump on Periscope and tell, like, all my followers. And they were, like, dying. Like, we've, yeah. we've said, like, you don't exist to me at all anymore, like, a million times. <laughs> that is so funny. You don't exist to me. Um, that's 
That's so mean. It's so bitch. I really the, can't get over how bitchy it the is. The funniest thing, though, is that he went on and on about how he goes to, like, Esalen twice a year. Do you know what that oh, is? Oh, actually, I do know. Yes. So it's like a, for people at home, it's like a yoga, meditation, healthy living retreat. And, you can and go Big to. Sur, like, yeah. and it, you know, and it's, like, right on the edge of the ocean. It's all, it's, like, very, like, um, you know, granola and, like, you know, it's and all very spiritual. Yeah. Um, so, like, I went up to Yosemite and I drove up the coast and I took a picture of myself like, <laughs> right on the Esalen side. And, like, I picked up the brochure and I was like, gang, we're all we're all coming up here. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I think that I've always kind of wanted to do one of those things, but – weirds me out about them is the other people oh of course because that's that's who the other people are right right there. exactly well like i also i mean i that's ex- that is it's my last thought because i'm like oh i totally should do that and then i'm like no wait though who really wants to do this like i'm the rare suddenly inspired person like who's the person that uh um like saves up all year and has been planning to do this or does it all the time Freaky, right? Right. right. I'm, it's, I'm, it's, we're all nervous about them. It's the nut jobs who need it. I <laughs> bet, like you know, polyamorous married and dating, they probably <gasps> do that. Do you know, I do just you watch? watched that based so on your good. recommendation. I guess I have to so watch I think it. Someone did. I'll give you my Hulu password. I have Hulu. Oh, okay. Well, the Showtime extension. Oh, I have a press Showtime login. Okay, good. Then you're good. <laughs> that show. I mean, I, I I went on Twitter and like, you know, my Twitter followers must think I'm nuts because all I talk about is stuff like <laughs> It's so good. I mean, can we just say that like polyamory is a crock of shit? <laughs> I mean, I just like, I. It's I, not for you. I just think that. Is the, it for what, you? the examples. It's not for me, but okay. there are people who it works for. The okay. I don't know. I try not to be judgmental. Like, I don't okay. know. Okay. I know. I try not to be judgmental too, but I have to say, I think that it's, well, first of all, I, it's really difficult for me as a straight chick. It's actually, it's absolutely everything I hate as a possibility in one scenario. Right. So, I feel the same way. <laughs> so I, that's why I think it's crock of shit because it's like, to me, that's just, it's hard to believe, but at the same time, there's, Lots of things there that are hard for me to believe. There could be people you know who are in poly relationships sure. right now that you just don't know. That they're sure. I'm, I'm positive that there are. And and I know that like whenever I talk about it, I'm like, you know, turning all these people off and making them angry. Right. I mean, there are people that I know are in poly relationships that are like my friends. That's why I've tried to stop talking about herpes. It's because oh. I, and I also realized that that one in four statistic is probably, it's probably, it's probably like one in three at right. this point. Because like, the the one in four are the people who are admitting it or have been tested already. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who are probably in denial about something like that as well. So, and also a lot of people don't realize that that's a blood test. You don't, that's not in the standard pap. You got to request the herps. They don't always just give you the the test for that. So, um, and actually you have, you should really rec- like request the whole range because they don't oh. even test you for all strains of HPV. Like, I, I found that like if you, you have to like go out of your way to request every, every single test in the book and then yeah. even then they're kind of resistant to like testing you. And I'm, I'm sort of like, what, why, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but but, I, but the yeah. show Polyamory, Married and Dating, I, I thought was just like from a from a dramatist perspective, and I think you'll relate to this. Right. It was such a character study. Oh, totally. In like, you know, passive aggressive darts being thrown, but well, like covertly. Okay. I think in all of the relationships, and this is why I'm with you on the crock of shit part, with these couples that we saw on the show. So season two, the couple with the Asian girlfriend. Obviously, we know what that was. Right. Like, that was that guy fucking both of them. We Mm -hmm. know what that was. Mm -hmm. And Uh, he was such a narcissist and manipulator that, like, he was able to kind of, like, 
pull both of them into it and make right. them believe that, that that's what they wanted too. Yes. Kamala Devi is a manipulative sociopath. Mm-hmm. Like that's, as she is like, all of those people are at her mercy. Like they all think they're into it. Michael, because he's an extreme pervert, like is literally just like fell into his most ideal situation possible. I don't know if you remember, they said they had sex at their wedding ceremony in what? front of their guests. I, I missed yes, that somehow. having sex in front of their guests okay, now was I remember, part actually. of the wedding ceremony. Okay, yeah, I do remember them gross. saying that. It's like, gross. So, <laughs> so, um, but I'm, I, I do I, I do perceive that she's a manipulator, but I also perceive him as a manipulator as well. Totally. And them kind of like co-manipulating like yeah. everyone in their orbit. Yeah. Do, do They're all matchmaids in heaven. Like I think I think Jen and Tall have a real sick thing going on. Oh, they do. Like I think she's a mother figure to him. Yeah. And manipulating him. But it, but it's like they're all kind of like covertly manipulating and kind of like like they all talk constantly about needs, but yeah. then like none of them seem to know how to get their needs met without manipulating. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's and <laughs> I love that Tall was in the closet for season one, and then season two he came out as bisexual, and the guy was like a full blown twink. Like he I just know. went like overnight. I have to watch. Like this. overnight. <laughs> like he like he came out, and it was like he just was like he, he was living his truth, Molly. I, I mean. I guess he, I mean, I guess so, but it's like, you know, you don't, I don't even think you really like your wife. Like, I don't think this has ever been a real thing. Like, I think he, he really changed his person, his personality changed. That moment so when, drastically. when the gay guy dipped him in the hot tub yeah. it was just, it, it was He was perfection. rocking him. It was perfection. He likes, <laughs> he likes to go with men because he likes the roughhousing. And so he, he fucked Michael's gay brother. Michael is his, um in his pod with him and Michael is a gay brother and his brother came down and his brother basically like looks like Michael, but is gay. Michael's not into the bi thing. So tall is into like, um, being manhandled by like daddy types. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene where he's like rocking him back and forth in a hot tub, like a baby, like after they had just wrestled in the hot tub for five minutes. Like it's insane. Like watching them like roughhouse was like, just two grown men pushing each other. It was <laughs> dudes are weird. It but was, it was yeah. Perfect. Okay, it's after weird. I'm done with House of Cards, I'll watch Polyamorous. Dig into Mary that drama. I'm sure. I honestly think it's better than House of Cards, which I've never seen. Um, but I'm just so, no, it so is. sure. I have it. seen House of Cards. It is. It's the best like, show. On if TV. you're interested in like character motivations and in drama, like yeah. like it, it's like none of these people seem to understand why they or the people around them are really doing what they're doing. Like, right. I think a lot of them are sex or love addicts. Yeah. You know, and 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 they don't, and they are they're all sort of like couching what they're doing and all this sort of like polyamory nonsense. But it's like they they don't seem to really understand their own motivations yeah and, and they're kind of like oh you're not really poly or they're all go- talking about going deeper and all this kind of bullshit <laughs> yeah you're, you're like no like you're you're just a, a sex addict like it's, yeah you know that's it's the bottom line yeah like, when when tall snuck out of bed to like bone jen and have a threesome and oh my god it was crazy like that was the thing is that jen had a rule like we can move in with our lovers but i ask that you just sleep next to me and, like, he couldn't make that <laughs> promise. Like, he snuck out of bed to, like, go have a gangbang, like, night one. Like, he's, like, couldn't, couldn't control it. It's, like, he really – he's, like, a little boy. Tall is very much, like, a little boy. And Jen works at uh, his parents' bead store. I just want to throw that out there. She works at a fucking bead store that his parents own. 
My last question for you is this. What kind of uh, shampoo and conditioner do you use? I use Wen, mm-hmm. and I also spray my hair with ocean water. <laughs> I couldn't be more Venice right now. Really? Like actual ocean water? <laughs> yeah, but I, I use Wen, and I don't wash it out. Uh-huh. Um, you guys know what Wen is, Yeah, right? I was just wondering if you heard about those lawsuits. What? You no. know, tell these, me. These women are suing Chad or I guess Chaz. Chaz Dean. Chaz right, Dean. Right. Because they say it was making them bald. <gasps> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to immediately like Google this They were like home. losing their hair. Yeah. There was like chunks of hair falling out. You seem to have a full head of hair. That's good. Are you? Are do you? Have you noticed clumps? No, but like I'm definitely gonna get home with like a magnifying mirror now. And now, okay, now I'm gonna be able. Who knew that 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 one question would just blow the lid off like this this whole love of your shampoo? I definitely. I'm excited about taking this call, but I also want to talk a little bit about um, diagnosing Yolanda Foster, if you don't mind. Okay, we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. That's gonna be. We're gonna do a final thing because I'm really upset about that. I, I, I'm upset that they're saying she has Munchausen. Are you? I'm upset about it, but I also, I, I will talk about it. Okay, we'll I have, have to get into it. Okay, I just was like, the fact that you didn't just give me an immediate confirmation is making me panic a little bit. All right, let's take this. I don't think she has Munchausen. <laughs> All right, I um, think I'm ready to take our calls. Are you? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Hey, Moss, big fan of the pod. Okay, so my boyfriend and I have been together for nearly three years, and... He's the greatest, and we're super compatible and super happy. Um, I have a pretty well-established career at the ripe young age of 25, which is surprising, and he is going to graduate law school next spring. So we currently live in D.C., but want to move out to California after he graduates. Um, We're in total agreement about that. The only thing is he is really into San Francisco, and I'm really into Los Angeles. Uh, so he's told me before that he would be happy wherever I am, which is super sweet, but I'm trying not to bulldoze in this situation and really pay attention to what he wants to do too. Um, I can do my job really in either city and he can also, uh, we're likely going to both cities this year just to really think about what we both like about them and talk about it and all that. But what is the best way do you think for us to come to a place where we're both happy with our choice and not feeling resentful towards each other at all thanks love you i mean it's only an hour-long flight like why don't you just move to wherever you guys can get work yeah, and then just go say. back and forth to whatever city you want. i mean i know a lot of people from the bay area who just take a plane home for a weekend yeah, I, I'm thinking like find the best jobs like w- in whichever city, yeah, and then decide based on like wherever the bright job is, and and it's that's not like a huge decision between L.A. and no, San but Francisco. it is it is kind of crazy how different versions of California they are. Yeah, like right. L.A. is such a deserty, and the Bay is more like you know it's more cold. It more has more nature. It's definitely oh my god, it's so expensive. Um, that was going to be my note to them is like consider how your expenses will be because San Francisco is extremely expensive. It's getting ridiculous. I mean, I have to be honest with you. I've never really had a love affair with San Francisco. And yeah. it, I've like the only times I've been, I think I said this on a previous pod, for some reason, every time I've been to San Francisco, no matter where I'm staying, it seems like everything around me is like an industrial thing that's closed. Like it's like downtown on a Sunday, like downtown LA, you know how like nothing is going on, especially like five or six years ago. Right. That's what it, that's what it feels like to me in San Francisco. I'm always a little bit like, 
feels like there's not a lot of action going on here. Yeah, I feel like if you're just like a lawyer, meaning you could just live anywhere, like San Francisco is one of those cities that like like have a reason to be there, you know? So he's a lawyer. He's probably making good money. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't afford to live there, but more like, you know, like if you're in tech, I could see being there or like, you know, just an industry that like really puts you there. Yeah. Otherwise, like it just seems like everyone is being priced out of San Francisco. How long have they been together? Um, Three years. years. Oh, so I was going to say, just break up. But no, (laughs) it sounds like you guys are actually working. Do you love that? That I literally was like, no, just uh, fuck it. It's not going to work out. Like, sorry. But I guess if you guys have been together for three years, it's probably going to be fine. To ask you a question though, why do you want to live in LA? Especially like, I don't understand why people who don't work in entertainment want to live here. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of my next question too. Like, do you want to be involved in entertainment? Are you an entertainment lawyer? Are you, do you, like, what about it do you like? Is it like... I could see it if he wants to work in entertainment. That that I could see. But otherwise, like, there's not a lot drawing someone to The gay scene LA. is really sad. Like, the whole West Hollywood scene is really sad. There's obviously pockets that are different, but you have to find your friends. Uh, and that takes a while, um, especially in L.A. where people don't talk to their neighbors. Um I'm not trying to tell you that this is a bad city to live in. I, I, you know, I actually just bought a house here. Obviously, I like it. I'm living in Glendale. Like, I love Glendale. But it took 10 years for me to live here, for me to have, to feel any sort of ownership for this state and this town. I like don't, I'm not, where are you from? I love originally? it here. I know I'm, you love it, but yeah. that's so not my deal. I'm from rural Georgia and I'm here okay. for the entertainment industry for, you know, for movies. Where would you live if you could not live here? Oh, I would live in some really exotic place like, uh, you know, South America or Africa really? or something. Yeah. Like I would go way far away. You know, I love America. It just bums me out that it is america right now like i actually really love america like i love traveling within the 50 states like that's something that i never really did a whole lot of until the last like few years Mm because i was just working all the time and um it i'm like i love tennessee like i love texas i even love new orleans it's amazing um but it's just like no matter where you go like the politics the political landscape stays the same and that really makes me sad I actually do worry about it and get like kind of panicky about like, am I going to have to move to another country eventually? Yeah. Like are things going to just get, or have people always felt this way? It's a little bit of a scary climate right now. It is really scary. I mean, I just, I mean, I just can't believe like, it feels like the same issues keep coming up. Like, especially like all the women's rights stuff, like, uh, you know, people being like, I'm just surprised that like, pro-lifers are still getting their days in court at this point. It's really surprising to me. It bums me out. It makes me so sad. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> you would think we got far enough that, I mean, how many times do they have to fucking say it? Like, I feel like it's like 1% of Planned Parenthood's business is actually abortion. Right. Most of it's like, you know, everything else. I mean, I think, honestly, it's the cancer screenings that, I don't think get driven home enough Mm -hmm. because healthcare in America is so expensive. Getting cancer is so fucking expensive. We were joking in the last pod that like, we're all just kind of saving up to pay for our cancer treatment someday. (laughs) And like, it got dark. And like, it's it's like, what happened in here? (laughs) Sorry. Oh guys, I'm so political. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Sorry. political. I actually was getting political for um, two. But no, yeah. but I mean, like, I understand where you're coming from. And also, it's just like, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that many of the people in power are men. Yeah. And so they have a difficult time understanding anything relating to women's health for the most well, part. Well, it's just not, yeah, it's not like on the forefront of their list of issues because at for all. The most part, they don't like, worry about it. Like, and when they're like, consider the birth control debate where it's just mostly about like, oh, you're a whore and you're taking, I don't want to pay for your yeah. like, contraceptive. And it's just like, no, a lot of women need it to like, you know, regulate their periods and like, you know, it benefits them in a way that like you will never understand because you don't have, you don't have to go through that every month. I got, I, this is where I realize I feel very blessed to be as ignorant to other people's ignorance as I am because I, I'm really shocked always when I hear someone be like, you know, say like Planned Parenthood is where they suck babies in a sink. That's what Dr. Laura says. Oh, God. Uh, like, <laughs> every, every I time. I couldn't go past that to listen to the good advice. No, like, I, I mean, just... like, every time I hear that, it's like, <laughs> I cannot. I don't know be- why I'm laughing about it. I don't know why, because it's, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy is why you're laughing about it. And um, when I hear that kind of stuff, I realize, like, that's almost funny to us because no one in our life talks like that. But, like, there's a lot of places where that's very normal for people to talk like that. And I'm kind of spoiled that I've never really had to live around that. Like, grew up in, like, a very liberal, like, Massachusetts. Like, you know, in in an upper-class town where, like, people were, like, you know rich liberals but like i grew up in georgia and i didn't even really hear people talk about like that in georgia i mean i know that people do talk like that in georgia but i didn't really hear it that much yeah so i don't know where these i mean obviously they're out there because they're voting for trump but like where are they so san francisco or la (laughs) i mean honey i don't know i don't i honestly just think you got to follow the you got to follow that sweet sweet money trail yeah i just say get the job and then then that'll decide that's what i say all right next call Hi, Malls. I'm calling you from South Florida, uh, and I'm going to be withholding my name um, just because what, you know, I'm about to say is kind of serious. But um, something happened that wasn't directly related to me in any way, so let me just start with that. I'm I'm okay, um, but I'm just trying to process the feelings that I have about the situation where somebody that I'm very close to got sort of involved in this <clears throat> really, really sticky situation where uh client slash colleague slash like friendly acquaintance of his um had a relapse after being in recovery for some time and beat the fuck out of his girlfriend uh, who is also a client and We just found out all this shit today because in his, like, drunken state, he, like, called my friend threatening him, and it was, like, a jealousy-sparked thing that really, like, was based on nothing. And even if it was, it absolutely would not excuse what he did to his, to this girl. Um, But it's somebody who, this all gets involved with work, and he's a client where we work, and <clears throat> he has always seemed like such a good dude, um, a really brilliant artist, and just, you know, he came off so nice that it was just someone who, like, I always treated with, like, a little extra sugar. Um, and I just, I I don't think I'll be seeing him anytime soon, 
Uh, I don't know if we'll be seeing her anytime soon. Um, but like, what do you, I don't know how to process my feelings about somebody who like had a relapse because this isn't the only person I kind of like know. I, there's definitely people closer to me that, um, are in various stages of like either using or recovery and don't tend to be violent people, but sometimes, you know, whatever it is, will bring out the worst in them. And like, I'm, I, I'm just kind of seeing this from the horror scenario of like, oh my God, what if this happened between like friends of mine? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to treat that person if I run into them? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm inserting myself into a situation that like really doesn't apply to me, but like, it just seems like a totally plausible scenario that could happen given the amount of people that I know. Hey, um, this is uh, the caller from South Florida. We got cut off. I'm sorry for the long-winded message. But anyway, um, yeah, I just I feel so horrible about this whole situation. And I, I guess I kind of want to know what would be, like, the correct way to react if, like, let's say he comes in. And, you know, what if I run into him somewhere, which is totally possible? Like, what happens when you run into somebody who you know is an abuser, but it was totally, you know, because of the fact that they relapse and that they have disease that's very real and very sad? And, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know how I would handle this situation that's totally hypothetical, but not totally out of question either. Anyway, um, please advise. Thank you very much. Well, this is a really unfortunate situation on a million levels, but I think that the one pertaining specifically to you, which you are right, you are, I I don't think you're inserting yourself because you're not doing anything. Um, You don't plan on doing anything. But um, when something really upsetting happens, whether it be national news or something that happens close to home, it's natural to have a difficult time processing how something like that could happen and to feel sad about it. And there's no way around that. Um, there, I uh, was kind of think, you know, it kind of reminds me of recently there was a, in the news that um, a girl, a woman, um, she's a public figure. She came out saying that her ex beat and raped her and uh, I believe her Um, and the person that did that the guy that was accused of doing that is and I say only accused just because it's um, innocent till proven guilty but I do think he did it Um, that person was my really good friend for like 10 years were we super super close like day-to-day close no was he like one of my favorite people to see like if I ran out into him out yeah um And again, this has nothing to do with me either, but at the same time, because I care about this person, it was really difficult for me to understand how someone I care about so much could do something so terrible. And, um, and so like, honestly, just deplorable, indefensible, like you can, you can't, no one can defend that. But one thing that I want to throw out there, especially because this guy did have a relapse is that if 
find that it's always best to approach these things which is with as much compassion for all parties involved as possible. And I know that sometimes it's really difficult to drum up compassion for someone that's done something really bad. But when my friend was accused of doing this, all I kept thinking was what happened to him. Because people don't people aren't born monsters. It's a conditioning over time. And like, it's a lot of stuff related to childhood, stuff that he witnessed, maybe stuff that he kept inside, stuff that he has never been able to deal with. So it came out in this really angry, cruel way. Um, Much like the guy you were talking about, he had a relapse from drugs and alcohol and went fucking nuts. Like he doesn't, he... In his sober self, in his real self, he would never want what he's living right now. But he's out of control. And that's actually pretty fucking sad. So all you can do is just kind of be sad about it and acknowledge that it happened. And then in time, it'll get better. But you don't say anything. It's not your business to talk to people about their relationships to begin with, um, let alone something this insanely personal and also a legal issue and all sorts of things. So um, I don't Julie, what do you think? I, ha- I have a few thoughts about this. For one thing, it's a little bit unclear what the actual question is because the caller is sort of saying, so I'm not calling about what actually happened. I'm calling if in case this like hypothetically happens again. It, I mean, am I misunderstanding? I that's, she kind she, of, she kind of said like, yeah, what if something like this happens? I mean, she, I think she threw that out there. I almost view that as like rhetorical because I feel like she's cycling through all of the things that she's feeling about okay. this. I've almost viewed that as like- That's like a defense like, to sort of be like, Yeah, like oh, what I'm if that not- happens again? You know, I think yeah. she was cycling through all of the different scenarios as one does when something unbelievable happens. Okay. Like you're just trying so to figure- So she ignore that. Yeah, I think okay. she's just trying to figure out I mean, I don't think I actually assume that you guys all work at a gym. That's what I thought. So I was like, I don't think he's going to come drunk into the gym and like flip out on you guys. So she's not afraid for her safety. I think she's really asking, should I get involved in any way? Right. Or not? Like if, if this no. happens again or even in for this instance that already happened. I, I think that she, uh, honestly, I think she knows better. I don't even really know if there was a question here. I just what I, I think other than she was saying, how do I deal with it? And I don't even really know if there was a question here, but I think the way that you're dealing with it is exactly right. Like, I think you should be talking to people about it. And obviously, don't over-assign. I mean, you as a person who knows him as a client, like, he's never going to do to you what he did to his ex-girlfriend because she's his ex-girlfriend and you're a girl, I think, who works at the gym. So, like, he would, you would never be put, he would never feel that anger towards you because there's no basis for it. Um, he obviously targeted her because he has a lot of fucked up emotional unresolved issues regarding her and he was completely freed up to express those things uh, via his fists because he was high and drunk, you know. Um, yeah. I feel really sad for this man. I do. I feel really, really sad for him because I know that he's going to get sober again. And it's like that is can you, it's always like, and be like, of, oh, my God, what have I done? Think about like doing meth or something, okay? Like you, for some reason, you get slipped to meth and you're on meth for three days and you do fucked up shit. You kill people, you push your landlord off the roof, like you steal cars, rob a bank. You do anything you can to go get more meth. And then after three days, you wake up in a hospital bed 
and you yourself has to deal with that uncontrollable behavior that you are now responsible for from the last three days. But you didn't do any of that stuff when you were yourself. You were like an other, you were a zombie basically. Uh, So that I always really pity. I pity people in that scenario. Like people who with failed suicide attempts who wake up in the hospital and like have to now deal with the fact that not only did they want to kill themselves to begin with, but now, now, they now everyone knows. Yeah, now everyone knows. Right. That's really, that bums me out. So I feel like he's probably going to have a scenario like that. And I, th- I think compassion <sighs> is a great suggestion for this caller. Yeah. But both compassion for all par- parties involved, but also compassion for herself. Because it sounds like she's sort of stuck in this scenario where she's observing this terrible situation. And I, it sounds like everything inside of her is sort of screaming, oh, I should be doing something. Probably she has some programming from her right. family or whatever from childhood. So she's sort of like, I, I should be doing something. What what should I be doing or should I be doing something? And I think we're here saying, no, it's, you know, you really shouldn't be inserting yourself into this situation. And it doesn't sound like she is. But You like, couldn't be less involved. In, yeah. In a, in a, in a not, way that you job. should almost take comfort in. Right. You could not be less involved in this scenario because, again, like, I don't know where you work, but he's a client of yours. Like, that is one of hundreds. He's a client of your boyfriend. You could not be less involved in his life. But I think she, it sounds like she's sort of struggling with feelings of responsibility, which are, those are hers to deal with, but not to act on, you know? And, and, but then the second thing is, um, it, it, I think that what you said is exactly right. The way to deal with those feelings is to do exactly what she did, which is to, um, Call and talk to sympathetic people, you know, totally. not, not to necessarily call a podcast, but, you know, just just in the act of like sort of talking through her feelings. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. And, you know, and not to talk to the parties involved, yeah. but to talk to, you know, kind of uninvolved third parties. And, you know, hopefully well, she has a support when system. Terrible happens. They immediately call in like therapists, do group therapy with the office place or the school or whatever. It's because people need to talk about shit like this when it happens because, it's so crazy. And but it happens enough that it's not unbelievable, but like you just never think it's going to happen in your life. You know, um so talking about it is I think the best and only thing to do, honestly. And I have one last thing to say, which was this is an observation I was about to make when um when we heard that this was a two-part caller and yeah, my, oh, yeah. my thought about that is that um well, that's the you know that's a caller's problem right there. Is that you know they can't contain and define their thoughts, you know, clearly enough that like they can't define the problem. <laughs> that's right. their problem, you know, that you can't or they can't see how unimportant a lot of the details, details actually are. You know, I mean, I hate to say this, but you could have just called and said, "A guy who comes into my boyfriend's work." beat up his girlfriend after getting really drunk for the first time and breaking his sobriety and should I do anything what should I do click yeah how do I (laughs) deal with this like that handle it yeah but you when you hear like when someone goes on for that you're exactly right it's that I think she feels really unsure right now like that's really what it is I think a lot of our callers just feel really like 
But it's almost like part of the solution, which is what you said, is just yeah. let, is just being heard. So in that sense, you know, you could offer a, a ten part <laughs> cooling option. And I then mean, just exactly. let them ramble, and then you know, pay let them pay two hundred dollars, and you know, I know, right? We should t- totally charge by the by the minute. <laughs> by that, the minute, I'm please advise. That being said, we love having your phone calls. <laughs> we love them so Sorry. much. I know. That's I just take this entire podcast. It's gonna be the last episode, right? No, here. no, no. <laughs> I tease them all the time, and they know. Yeah, guys, it's really important. If you think that like, oh, our phone calls are getting flooded, <laughs> like we need what you don't have to call about serious things. Don't you make think, us sound desperate. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I just pivoted. Like no. you don't. Well, we are kind of desperate, but that's beside the point. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to call about serious things. You can call someone had asked Molly what she likes to cook and Molly just straight up gave her recipe on the podcast. You yeah. can ask little things like Very that. long details recipe. Yeah, it's chicken soup. Yeah. And exactly. I also uh, I also really like questions that I personally don't know how to answer. Um, someone just called asking how to grow herbs once. And I thought that was a great question. Um, I really liked that kid when he called and said, like, my roommate uses my toothpaste. What do I do? <laughs> These are actually big life issues. Uh, and don't be afraid to call them in. None of them are too small for please advise. Um, I actually also just really like it when you guys call and ask me about Vanderpump Rules. I'm pretty little liars because it gives me an opportunity to talk about my favorite things. So thank you for that. Uh, 323-450-7408. That's the number you can call. Okay, so do you guys remember during Cameron's episode to Raw Dog or not to Raw Dog? Uh, we got a... Of course you do because it was the title of the show. We got a letter from this girl named Hannah. Um, she basically like her boyfriend's dick didn't work and I kind of went off like I I it surprisingly like I don't it actually kind of surprisingly was very ripe with uh opinions it was very fertile yeah if you no, will. It was we very were, fertile question you guys really jumped on in a way I didn't necessarily expect but yeah and neither did Hannah we yeah. got a letter from her being like what the fuck you guys so I just said uh you know what I think we should call her I think we should just straight up call Hannah not not bother with this roundabout communication anymore so here's a call with hannah hello hey hannah hi it's malls hello hi hon we have um julie bush with us she's a writer she writes movies hi hannah hi julie she knows about your boyfriend's penis (laughs) um so hon i i wanted to call you because we got your follow-up email And I know you were basically just kind of like, just to summarize for the people at home, you were kind of like, dude, I like called in on a whim and like, (laughs) uh, I was not expecting that response. Um, which honestly it's because you're talking to a bunch of, you were talking to ladies in their thirties. Who was I with that day? Pharmacology dick. Cammon. Okay. Yeah. So you were talking to two chicks in their thirties who are like dealing, used to dealing with guys who are like messed up. Um, so that's why I think we had a lot to say about it, but we learned some interesting (laughs) facts in an email today, which was that you are 24 and this guy's 34. Yes. Are you guys in a committed relationship? Um, well, if I'm being totally honest, we actually broke up two hours ago. (gasps) Girl, no. What happened? Um, I went to, I live in Los Angeles and I went to Austin for a few days and I was just feeling really disconnected, uh, from him while I was gone. And so I just, I texted him yesterday trying to hang out and he, uh, he couldn't, um, and asked if I could hang out on Sunday. And so I was just like, Hey, is everything okay? Like what's going on? I've been feeling a little bit disconnected from you. 
And he was like, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you. Like, I really don't think I should be in a relationship right now. And, I, and he's like, I don't want to talk about this over text. So, you know, when can I see you? And so um, he he came over today and, uh, uh, yeah, we broke up. Oh, are you okay right now? Um, I'm like pretty pissed off. I'm not going to lie. Can I tell you something? I hope this is helpful, like useful to you and not hurtful. Um, but like, I think it's a good thing because I, I wasn't getting good vibes. Like, I think that this is a really good thing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, uh, he, he kind of broke up with me for a reason that was just existing in his own head. And I think in in the end, like he has some hangups about his last relationship that he really needs to go to therapy about and that he was clearly bringing into our relationship. And so even though it's so frustrating because things were so good until all of a sudden he just decided that they, that they weren't anymore. Um, I do think it's for the, don't want to be with someone who is going to bring, like I spend a lot of time and money on my own therapy and self care. So I want to be, you know, working with someone (laughs) that also does that. Right. Right. And, and I, I don't want to like minimize what you guys had at all, but like, there's definitely also a thing about the fact that he's 34 and you're 24. I think especially when I was 23, I was dating a 32-year-old that, like, I genuinely thought was, like, so into my brain and, like, into me as a person and, like, valued me and stuff. <laughs> and, like, then I had a realization, like, oh, he was just, like, a kind of older perv and I was a 23-year-old girl, which is, like, kind of prime. So, like... I I want you to like know too that like if he's displaying weird emotional issues like he wasn't in this for the right reasons you know yeah I mean obviously as you know from the email we had sexual issues and so I don't think it that it was necessarily a sexual thing but I do think he has some issues about not being able to sort of identify what he needs and be honest about that which is just very frustrating because we. Uh, went into this relationship we were committed but like very moving very slowly and he he made me promise um you know to to be really honest and communicative with him if like at any point it wasn't working for me and I totally did that whereas he didn't and he just sort of broke up with me on a whim and didn't really like mention or give me the opportunity to be like okay what's what's going on here that sounds really really aware and like very I'm actually super impressed by like how put together you are right now I'm very impressed by that um what are you doing tonight um well I'm supposed to be having a party at my house but given my uh I don't know well (laughs) I was gonna say Julie and I are gonna go get dinner after at Musso and Frank's in Hollywood after this in like an hour or something and if you're in LA if you want to come meet us for a drink you can we would love to meet you I, I I mean, yeah, I would love that. Would you mind if I brought my roommate along? She's the one who got me into your podcast. No, not at all. That sounds great. Yeah, that would be super fun. Yeah, let's go get a drink. I think that would be good. I think that's what we need to do. But if you're supposed to have a party, well, do people think, are people coming to your house at like 8 p.m.? Like, what's going on? Oh, not at 8. No, no, no. Not until much later. Okay, good. Okay. Well, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, what? Wine and cheese? Like, what? Are, uh, you're not having a game night with wine and cheese, you 24-year-olds? I'm so sorry. I'm like so old and out of it. Okay. Well, yes. Come, come on. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out after, but. 
I think that this is a really good thing, and I'm glad we're going to go get a drink. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, Christina will be in touch, and she'll send you my cell phone number. Okay. That sounds good. Well, thank you. No, thank you, and I'm really impressed by you because, like, I think when I was 24, like, no, I mean, I know when I was 24, like, I was handicapped every time someone broke up with me. I mean, she sounds so together. I know. I, you're handling this way better than I would. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I, how are you not drunk already? I would be like, all right, I, I, I love it. I love it. Hannah, you're great. Did I miss the, re- the actual reason he gave for the breakup? Sorry if I missed it, but like, what did he say? Um, so he, he essentially felt that he wasn't giving me sort of like the time and attention that he felt like our relationship deserved. And he's very busy and he's very career focused and so our relationship was very casual. We didn't see each other too often. We didn't talk to each other too often, which uh, worked very well in my life. And I was very comfortable with, but I think he had some hangups on, on, you know, whether or not that made him a shitty boyfriend. Uh, and so that was sort of his reasoning is that he, he, I just think he had some hangups on like what it means to be in a relationship. And I think he had some major hangups about balancing a relationship and a career. Um, so, yeah, we're sort of in the same line of work-ish, and I was always very supportive of him, and, and he very much appreciated that. But I just I, – I get the sense from some other uh, things that he's told me that he has some hang-ups about what it means to, like, really be in a relationship with someone and how much attention you need to give them and, and that sort of thing. And, girl, like, you are so much more than someone's, like, support system, by right. the way. That took me a really long time <laughs> to figure out that, like – being like the supportive girlfriend actually gets really boring and it kind of sucks because like then you're never you're always worried about his weird feelings like he can support you right (laughs) yeah you know he can be the supportive boyfriend and support you hannah's world hannah's rules right Uh, okay honey well we're gonna let you go but uh we'll be in touch and maybe see you later yeah that sounds wonderful all right bye hon see you hannah Bye. bye Okay, so that was a call with Hannah. Uh, it was really great. Uh, full disclosure, Julie and I just split a weed macaroon, uh, tropical jungle flavor. Uh, it's actually really, really pretty. Um, a company makes some, what's the name of this? Madame Munchie. It's so good. Uh, I get them at Green Wolf in, in Glendale, but I recommend them. They're really good. Uh, I kind of love that call. So if this episode gets a little weird towards the end. <laughs> yeah. No, but I kind of loved Hannah's call. I really yeah. that she was like, I had to be honest. We talked about this, though. And I told you that I'm going to tell her this tonight when we'll we get a drink, if she shows up for a drink. Because mm-hmm. I want to see her face before I say it to her. But I'll say it now because also just remember it'll be two weeks. So mm-hmm. I'll be out of the woods. Um, I think this guy's fucking other girls. I think I think it's obvious. I yeah, think he's a player. Yeah. And I that's why... I don't think they were ever exclusive, which really makes me nervous about her not using a condom with him. How long were they together? Did I miss that? A few months. Yeah, I can't I can't recall. I think they were together like four months or something. And after like then they, you know, decided to pull the goalie or whatever. I don't know. Also, 34 and 24, like it kind of broke my heart to hear her kind of bending over backwards talk, talking about how like he doesn't know how to be in a relationship. No, he just doesn't care. No, want like to, you doesn't are want to do the work. Uh uh-uh. uh. You're like his little sex babe right, right now. Like, that's it. Like, you're the 24-year-old that, like, is willing to fawn over him. And it sucks because I've been that. And when I look back right. on it, I'm like, it just makes me so sad for my younger self that I didn't even realize that I was – I feel like 
kind of feel like I was getting made fun of in a way. Yeah. Do you know, like it's like oh, he yeah. they knew something that I didn't know, oh, yeah. which was that I was young and naive and they were pulling one over on me. Like that makes me feel really sad. I don't think Hannah should feel like that, but, but I know that's how it made me feel. Here's the thing. Sometimes when you try to give advice to younger women about this kind of stuff and it, like speaking from your own experience, they're just like, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. Sometimes they don't like kind of like, yeah, they don't I, I sure as shit I wouldn't have listened when I was 24. Listen. Yeah. That's why I always tell these people, like, you're going to do what you want to do anyway. I know you're not listening to me. Like whenever, <laughs> you know, and Dr. Lori does that too. She'll call and she'll be like. Someone will be like, well, thank you for your opinion. She's like, yeah, you're not going to do any of it, huh? <laughs> like the person like hangs up the phone. But it's like, you, you know, I mean, people a lot of time just want validation or they just want to like people just do what they want. Yeah. They do what they want. It takes a while to realize what you want is to not hurt yourself. Uh, which is what uh, the real I think the difference is like eventually you're like oh I thought I wanted that because he's like hot and interesting and pays attention to me and like maybe successful or something but um, I think one of the biggest fallacies is that older dudes go after younger younger girls because of like the way they look or they're like hot or whatever you think that's a fallacy I think it well I, I mean I think like young girls are hot and everything but like I actually think that they that the real reason mostly that older dudes go after younger girls is because they're stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, not, and they're not like dumb. Like they're not unintelligent, but they just have, they don't have life experience. You I can pull they, the wool over their yeah, eyes. Yeah. You can trick them. Some just, of them are dumb, but it could also be like, they don't expect anything of them. Right. It, yeah. They, they don't have standards. They haven't like, they haven't learned to ask for more in life. Right. They haven't learned to stand up for themselves. They know that that's going to be more weeks without the, are we in a relationship conversation than it would. Right. Be with a woman in her 30s. Like, right. guys, at the end of the day, most of the guys I know in their 30s that are dating 22 year olds, they want like a contemporary. They want like they're like, they want a peer to date. Yeah. But realistically, right now, they can't handle a peer. And like, yeah. it sounds like this guy's having a really difficult time handling his shit, period. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know. I can't even imagine what he would do to a 30 something woman. This guy sounds like a monster. Oh. Well, I mean, he he would like cry, you know, like like that's actually a yeah. Like the guys I've known who have dated like much younger w- women, like that's actually kind of a sad situation. Like, yeah, it's actually kind of embarrassing. No, it's like you can't them. handle your intellectual equal. Like that, it would it would it would stun you to be with an intellectual equal. Like you couldn't, you need someone that you can talk down to, right? And that doesn't realize you're being talked down to, and, and who just doesn't realize that, like. Like you can't handle being with somebody who understands you, who who can connect with you on your own level. So like you have to be with somebody who is so, um, you know, like not on your level that like there's this there's, there's this automatic distance built into the relationship. There's yeah. an automatic power imbalance, or in, like a yeah that that like you know so like you never have to like be asked to be accountable to the relationship. Yeah. And and so so I think it's 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 much easier for society to, to kind of be like, oh, like look at that old player like hitting on the the hot young girl. I that's actually like it's actually much sadder than that. Oh yeah, no. It's actually <laughs> you're exactly right. And I want to this isn't really this isn't what you were saying. It's a but it is something that's interesting. I think that also the allure of um a young energy is very interesting to a lot of guys who like especially this guy at 34 he might be reaching that point where he's starting to realize like oh i'm not in my 20 i'm a man now and i don't have my shit together yeah so i'm just gonna go hang out with a 24 year old that's what i meant by like no expectations like i don't expect them to have their shit together and 
I think that something that you wrote in that email post that I love so much that I've actually, it's, it actually has changed the way that I deal with a lot of shit. But like, as you can see, like Hannah called this podcast. Now you and I were going to go get a drink alone tonight. I wound up inviting her along. So like, I have a really bad habit of like giving away my energy to other people and like saying like, yeah, here, just like take it. Yeah, that's fine. And like when you – there was something you write about people wanting to vampire. Like they want your essence. They want yeah. to be around you. They want they want that thing. I think that I've started to now realize how much time I actually – like I've started to question things more. Like why does this person want – why does this person want to meet me about to talk about this? Why does like – why am I giving my time? I mean – Yeah. So fascinating like too. Like when you said like – it's just like so many people want to take, just want to pick your ear and like, yeah, and pick like, your brain. Sorry, pick your brain, sorry. And like, basically, like, find out like what you think about how to, like, you know, how to make it in Hollywood. Like, they expect you to give them some answer that doesn't exist. And it's like, I find those meetings so fucking frustrating. And like, I wish I could just write like on an index card, like, in lieu of this meeting, here's the like, here's what it is. Like, I worked really, really hard. I don't know how I got uh, how it, it was a diff, like different for me than it is for other people. Like, I worry every day whether or not I'm going to keep working. Yeah, like no one has their shit together. Just keep trying. Like, I wish I had that printed on a card that I could just give to people instead of having to go have a weird lunch meeting where like. I'm letting some 25-year-old, like, buy me lunch. And it's, like, I don't want – Yeah, like, you don't need you know, a free lunch. You don't have time for like that. I need to pick up the bills. I'm no, like, no, no, well, no. I guess – And so then uh-uh. – <laughs> I do that, and I do that shit all the time. And I've started to realize I, a lot because of what you said. Like, oh, maybe people don't want to just be around me because they want to be around me. Maybe they want to be around me because they want to suck my blood dry. Well, here's the thing. Like, I sort of went through a, that similar phase that it sounds like you're in right yeah. now. Um and and then I finally realized that my time is just too valuable. Like, because that's time that you could be spending on your pilot or like on right. your house or, you know, on, on all of the wonderful things that you're doing. And there just comes to a point where you, you start to understand that time is finite. Time right. is non-renewable. It's like the one resource that we have that's non-renewable. You can't get paid back in time. Yeah. And – all of, and that's there. There's sort of just this constant wave of zombies who come to Hollywood and think that like, since there's no roadmap, there's no guide for how to kind of quote make it in Hollywood. Oh, what I can do is just constantly try to steal from people who seem to be making it somehow, right? And and like just try to like take from them and, and like. But as you said, like we're all you know we're all constantly reinventing the game every single day and trying to figure out how to get to the next level. And there's, there's no one to tell us how to do that. And so they have to figure that out the same way that we're continually figuring it out each day. Yeah. I have to say, I take real exception to like, and I don't, it shouldn't annoy me. It should actually just make me feel like happy that I've, I can tell that they're doing this. Mm -hmm. But when people try to write to me in my own voice Mm. where it's like a mock, it's like them trying to, like as if I can only understand things when they're spoken to me in a way that you think I would say them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like my, like, just the way I talk. And it's like, it fucking, it pisses me off. But it, because it's also like, find your own fucking style. Like, you're not getting it because you aren't me. But like, I think the thing that I always have to come back to is everyone knows. Like, everyone knows 
who the real Molly McAleer is, the real person who has that voice is. So I'm not, I can't be, I can't be that upset by it, but it bums me out. Oh, it should, because, because what's ironic is that voice is everything in this town. Yeah. Like, you know, you can build an entire career and and get a house and and have all these wonderful things because of your voice. But that's something that if if somebody hasn't yet articulated to themselves what their voice is, which is actually really hard to do. Yeah, you grow into um, it. Then, then all they all they kind of do is stumble around in the dark copying other people's voices, people right. who have done the hard work of figuring out what their voice is. Yeah. And so it should bum you out. I mean, that's a bummer, man. I think it def- I was definitely inspired by other people, but I think I at least had the mental sense to not ever like rip someone off like that like Mm -hmm. just like fully like be doing someone's bit to their face like that's like kind of a lot that's a little extra to me but at the same time I definitely like you know that's how you find out what you like and what you're interested in and everyone like copies their heroes like everyone goes in and repeats like their favorite joke from like Letterman the night before. Like that's, we all did that as kids to figure out who we are. That's something that's very common as a kid is like mimicking other people. But it just at a certain point, it becomes like unacceptable, especially if you're trying to do it on a professional level. It's kind of fucked. Yeah. I mean, I think all beginner writers start by doing that, but then um, you you definitely should be moving out of that pretty fast. Yeah. Um, But, but the thing about, about like not giving away, uh, both your time and sort of your life essence mm-hmm. and the, the sort of like pick your brain thing mm-hmm. like that's a real that's a real thing and I think that's that's really significant especially as women because we have been acculturated um, and sort of trained by society and by our families uh, that what we have is is not a value you right. know that that like you know what men do is like you know, I'm speaking in broad generalizations, but like, you know, what what men have and do is, is value and should be monetized, and 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 that what we have and do is is kind of like softer and it's emotional labor, and that like we're supposed right. to always be like taking care of people, aka taking people to lunch and paying for their food if they're kind of like more junior in our profession, and you know we're supposed to be the ter- caretakers at the office and like making right. sure that everybody in the writers' room, you know, making sure their feelings get nurtured and taken care of. <laughs> like, I just make sure the dudes in my office go to lunch. I'm like, guys, and yeah. and you know, as you're you're sort of expected to do that yeah. as a woman, but the fact is that's not your job, and you're, that's not your job in the writers' room to like make sure that like you know everyone's feelings stay managed. Right. Uh, but yet, like, if you stop doing that, suddenly you're a bitch or you're difficult or you're hard to I work with. I just really admire it because I can't dis I can't disassociate from my genuine desire to make sure everything's okay. Like, right. that's, like, I guess the codependent in me that's, like, well, yeah, it's a waste of time. But, like, I literally can't imagine not wondering, like, oh, is that, you know, like, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Like, did you eat something? Like, I can't – I do wonder that about my, my friends and my coworkers and I – oftentimes make the mistake of over assigning friendship or meaning to my coworkers where it's like, I feel really close to them. Like Todd is like basically my best friend right now. We're together all day, but it's like at the end of the day, I have to remember he is my work partner. Like it's about work and we do work. But I think that in a lot of workplaces, I've overinvested friendship wise and my coworkers, which is a big mistake. And I don't think men do that as much or share as much at work about their personal lives. Yeah. They and and but they're afforded that opportunity to do that by our culture and by their families. We're not like they, yeah. they weren't trained to sort of be these little like mothers and girlfriends and wives 
you know, in their families of origin and, and in their, in our, in our culture, in our schools. Yeah. Like, we were trained this way to, to like be these little like codependent nurses and teachers, you know, growing up. And part of my like healing journey, if you will, ha- has been to try to um, kind of unlearn that, that pattern inside of me because I just so deeply see how much it's not serving me. It's not serving me in Hollywood and it's not serving me in my personal relationships because it's just this like constant energy drain. Yeah. Where I'm like just constantly giving away, you know, my, my feelings and my time. And like, I don't go on those lunches anymore. Right. Like in those coffee meetings. I just got really, really stoned. I'm sorry. I have to just say it out loud. I've just like hit me really hard. You did suddenly get a look in your face and I was like, oh my God, I'm being so boring right now. No, 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 no. I just was like, oh my God, I'm really, my face started to get hot. That's why. So I'm really sorry. Cause that's like, I hate to break up. What is a really valid, interesting point with just, hey, guys, I'm stoned. Um, but yeah. All right. Sorry. I needed to say that out loud. I feel a lot better. No, I'm glad that you did because I, I actually I saw it in your face and I was like, OK, I'm like just boring the shit out no, of no, these no, girls no, right no, now. No, 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 not at all. In fact, maybe we should take some calls. This is no, a- that's the thing. I was like, sometimes Molly and I communicate. Hannah. Like, yeah, no. Hannah has been just a. I mean, Hannah's like some sort of beacon of light for us. I don't know what it is, but Hannah really like opens up the please advise world. I don't know something about her question. Raw dogging, man. Like, yeah, it's just like- that she had no idea. I mean, oh wow. Okay, I, mean, I-, I have to get like real intimate with a dude before I'm like raw dogging. You know, I mean, like, I don't even have sex with them. I can't even like find someone that I like want. You know, I can't even find someone I want to have sex with. It's yeah. just too hard. Oh, she had an IUD, if you remember. Oh, from right. Yeah, okay. that's why yeah. she was raw dogging. Okay. Yeah, but for me, it's more of like the, eight, the STD thing. Like that's not why. trusting. Were you about to say the AIDS thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, I was going to say herpes, but I don't oh. want to be that specific. Yeah. It's about the STD thing. That's yeah. really why. I don't care if I get, you know, there's ways to handle if you get pregnant or if you like, you know. I mean, I, I, I get paranoid I deal with that decision. Condoms <laughs> don't even protect against like all STIs. You know, like I get oh, yeah. paranoid. I get so paranoid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so easy to get herpes or HPV. You don't even have to have sex to get either of those. I know. I know someone who someone. literally got HPV from a hand job. <gasps> yeah, because the guy what? touched his dick, and then he touched my friend's dick, and it was transferred literally through hands. Oh, I'm not even kidding my you. God, like okay. a mutual masturbation moment. We might get HPV by going to Musa. I know, literally. <laughs> like, just showing up in Hollywood. We have, like, 50 new strains. I have to wow. go get all my warts burned off tomorrow. All right, let's take a new call. <laughs> Hi, Malls. This is Laura, a.k.a. Lala. Um, I called a couple weeks ago about the Gronk cruise, and I'm just calling to follow up and let everyone know I did not end up going on the cruise, which blows. Um But yeah, the first time I called in, shocker, I was super drunk. I was actually just like on the Staten Island Ferry, wilding out with my tall boys and just screaming about how much I loved Rob Gronkowski. Um, But, you know, by the next morning, I had to look at my bank account and be like, ugh, you know, $2,000, it's actually a ton of money for me right now. And then literally everyone I know is like, Laura, you like bros more in theory than in actuality. Like, you would not have enjoyed being on this like just like floating bro castle basically but I was suspicious of them then and I'm still suspicious of them I think I would have loved this I totally regret not going it looked like the perfect vacation for me like New York is disgusting right now and mama needs a break so like I definitely missed out 
but it's okay. Um, I'm just going to like take this as a lesson, decide to follow my heart and her podcasts, um, and just not listen to the haters anymore because I make my own money and I can use it however the fuck I feel like it. Um, but it's okay. I've learned that lesson. It'll all be good. And then also the Gronkowskis are like very much out and about in the off season. And I would not be surprised if by this time next year, I've met one of them in some capacity. Um, they're actually hosting a gala up in Burlington, Massachusetts, uh, which like I'm not considering going to, but like uh, maybe I'm a little bit considering. Um, it would be so funny to go to a black tie affair to try and meet these guys it would be so funny. I might. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah, thanks for following up. And also thanks for the advice. Um, I listen to that clip at least once a week. It just cracks me up. Um, love you guys. Keep it up. Lala, I don't even know what to do with this. Like I literally, I never like, I never say this to people because I think it's such a, I'm disappointed in you. Like I'm really <laughs> If you don't get your ass to fucking Burlington, Massachusetts, which, by the way, is fabulous. I can't recommend it enough. I used to go to the Burlington Mall growing up. It's not that fabulous, but it's fine. It's a nice town. A lot of memories for me. Um, Then I hate you. Like, you have to go. You already fucked this up once. Like, are you kidding me? I couldn't believe... I don't don't know anything about the New England Patriots, even though I'm from New England. I don't like football. That cruise looked fucking awesome. That looked like so much fun. It looked like the best cruise ever. There were so many news stories that came out of it. It was something like 135 people that were on the Grand Cruise didn't realize they were on the Grand Cruise. Like they bought tickets (laughs) to a cruise and they didn't realize that that's what they were getting. It's insane. She sent us a GIF and we're going to post it on Please Advise This Twitter account when this uh, episode goes up. But it just looks like it was a most fun time. he spared no expense. Like, it seems like he really... I was worried that you weren't going to get a lot of gronk for your money. I thought you were going to (laughs) get... This is too much gronk for your money. Can I just say, I just watched the GIF. Yeah. The GIF is of a bro in like white silk... Sh- board shorts i would say basketball short just almost. twerking his little junk he- he's just shaking his hpv wart warts all <laughs> over that Gronk cruise i mean like you could just get hit in the eye with those hpv he warts. did have like a ve- really like bouncy butt oh he is getting a nickelodeon show that I'm he gonna- is <laughs> this is a news i just googled him oh wow yeah. hide your kids rob gronkowski is getting a nickelodeon show oh my god that's the gronk right I there mean, look i think he's there's some I know nothing about this man again. I think there's something electric about him. There's something very appealing about him. I don't know what it is. From I the just, back. I, from the back. And by the way, like that, I'm not into butts. I'm not into muscly guys. I'm not actually that like you're the, like you're in you're not into the two things I like about no, them. No, no. Like the thing that I'm into is like wit. But like yeah, like fucking pale, weird looking guys. And um <laughs> but I I really look at that and I think that looks like so much fun. That looks like completely unironic, fun, good, fun times. Looks like there's only $2,000. You passed up on the opportunity of a lifetime. You go into debt for that sort of thing. With your dream. With you. (laughs) With your dream man for only $2,000 that you actually had in the bank. Are you kidding me? I know. What kind of woman are you? I, By the way, uh, sixteen hundred. It was not one hundred and fifty. It was sixteen. Didn't realize that they were on the Rob <laughs> cruise. Wow. Oh my god! Well, that's how electric he is. Someone wrote, 
from the Boston Globe's account of Rob Gronkowski's party cruise just... Oh, wait. So this... Okay. I think the... Uh, oh, yeah. Am I having a good time? Oh, my God, yes. Although I kind of don't remember last night. I might have blacked out. Said a Framingham woman who identified herself as... There's absolutely no way I'm telling you my name. <laughs> <laughs> this is another quote from... The, okay. Uh, but it's a very big boat, and the Globe store reveals that more than two-thirds of the people on board had no idea it was a Gronk cruise until they showed up. Here's from the Globe. There was also plenty of cruisers who had no idea that Good Time Gronkowski, what a name, was among them. The Norwegian Pearl holds more than 2,300 passengers, but only 700 of them were part of Gronk's cruise. The rest thought they were on a boat for ordinary vacation to the Bahamas. Non-Gronk fans interviewed said they were unfazed by the shenanigans. In fact, some of them even enjoyed the additional color. Visiting from Atlanta, Sue Fritz was on board with her husband and mother-in-law, and she admitted she wasn't too interested in sports. I've been telling my husband, John, take a picture, Fritz said Friday <laughs> afternoon. Hey, the more drunk people there are to laugh at, the better for me. I mean, this is just, everyone has a great attitude on this cruise. I This really, honestly, these are my people. I think those are my people. Like, I feel like I should have been on that cruise. I really missed out. I'm upset. <gasps> what about a please advise cruise? That would be really oh fun. Oh, my God. So, that would be amazing. So oh trouble. Oh, my God. Well, this is the truth. A please advise cruise would be very fun. It would be a sailboat. But I... Um, <laughs> very true. <laughs> our four listeners with money uh, who probably freak me out. Well, this is a... There's a video. I don't know how far I can hold it. You can watch on this. I was worried that he, you were not going to get a lot of Gronk for your money. Oh, God. He fucking... Oh, he is having fun. He is fun. See, I was worried. Look, these people are dancing with him. He's, his bros are out with him. He's oh. getting his fucking life. He's hot. I'm sorry. His attitude is hot because he's having fun. Oh, my God. Spared no expense. He went fucking ham. Oh, my God. This guy's a good time. I'm watching this guy dance, and he's going... Ham, hi, and this is really honestly, I Lala, stop, Lala. This you're, guy. I, you have a really healthy attitude about this because honestly, I wouldn't be. Does he have a partial boner? <laughs> no, does he legit oh have a fucking God. boner in this gift, girl? Look, what when he turns going? to the side, is that a boner? Is that like what is that? Wait, is that? Well, is that like a partial bone? He's erect on life, Malls. Oh my God. Because yeah, he probably does have a boner feeling himself. He has fucking backup dancers and like 200 sweaty Massachusetts chicks screaming his name. <laughs> he has a gronk. Oh my God. Now, this is what I need to know. How is our girl going to get her way to this black tie gala in Burlington? Massachusetts. Is there going to be some she kind of paper? She needs to go to Neiman Marcus and request the private dressing room, and right. she needs to have one like of their pretty woman one of moment. their people bring out all the dress. I mean, girl, you need to make up for lost time. This is serious. But is she going to like somehow be- like get into a relationship with Gronk? Like, I mean, no. I mean, like, <laughs> she, just, she just wants like one night, one night in Gronk. <laughs> See, that's where my mind goes. Like, I'm such a like fairy tale. Like, By the way, Ed is me too because I'm like Ed. We can't tell her to do this because they're not going to get married. And yeah, Ed, like and they're just like, gonna. <laughs> like, I just don't want to see her get used, but it sounds like she wants to get used. So maybe. I know, but. Well, Ed was so funny because when he was on here, I realized something about that clip because I, I, Lala, I listened to that back to that one too from time to time because that call cracked me up. <laughs> um, but it's perfect. Ed said everyone's going to get 30 minutes of doggy style. And I just want to say, <laughs> I want to go back in time and just say to him, Ed, 
30 minutes a pop like what now that i've seen that crazy boner and how hard he can dance he probably he probably could do 30 minutes could a be pop. More like 45 but honey like he that means he's working his way through the boat until dawn basically every night at a half an hour a piece <laughs> i don't want to think about i'm thinking it. maybe you're getting five to ten but if he goes on a and cruise- he does not finish every time no i know <laughs> <laughs> well um, but if he goes on another cruise, we should all go. Dude, I would I would throw down two two thousand bucks for that. <laughs> I'm I wouldn't even bat an eye at it. If you told me I mean I spend that much on fucking Beyonce tickets. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and uh that's only one night. The Grand Cruise is also like forever in a very special way. Yeah. So I bought Ed the tickets for his birthday. Are you going to come with us to the Grand Cruise? Oh, I would love to. Do you want to? I mean, to? that sounds like a real good time. Are <laughs> you going like to see a... Beyonce? No. When is this? Uh, the Formation Tours in May. Yeah. Oh, see, that shows like I'm I'm, I'm kind of out of it. Like, I don't no, even know. It's it's she she does this. She pops out of nowhere with like a new song and a new video and a tour. I mean, like, I knew all the, time. the tickets were on sale. I mean, I, I just I just didn't know like exactly when it was coming to LA they're expansive but like the thing is, is I was Todd was giving me shit because he's like why didn't you get them through your agency or whatever and I was like because I know better than to even ask WME for tickets to Beyonce because they were gone before they were in the house right. like that's a concert you fucking suck up you go on StubHub you pay the marked up price because you know I wasn't like calling Ticketmaster at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday um so I bought like marked up t- tickets, but it's that's that's the experience you pay for. Yeah. That's like you only get one Beyonce concert like every three years. So um, I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited. That's awesome. I would spend that much to see Rihanna, too. And I don't think Rihanna's half as good live. Yeah. I love Rihanna. Oh, she she knows how to live. I mean, Rihanna just is like she's she's hashtag goals. <laughs> Julie, who's your hashtag goals like muse? Uh. Mine are boring. They're like Catherine Bigelow. Or- <laughs> Christina's Mine are like, like Benjamin. Sonia- Sonia- Mine's like Sonia Sotomayor. <laughs> yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. <laughs> Honey. No, I'm with it. you, dude. No, mine would be like maybe Nora Ephron or something. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That and then, by the way, Nora Ephron's like pretty youthful and and like that's actually a surprise to me she's almost too current (laughs) for you Um, okay well guys that was please advise episode 83 julie thank you so much for being here this is the most fun it's julie underscore bush on twitter right and you're on instagram yeah just julie bush on instagram and can people find you on snapchat yeah bush julie on snapchat my neighbors (laughs) i'm malls official on snapchat i'm at malls on twitter you guys can call us 323-450 7408. You should also follow Christina Lopez at Christina Lopez, our wonderful producer. Yay. She doesn't tweet much, but when she does, it packs a punch, you know? Um, I guess. Guys, we're on Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can also go to soundcloud.com slash please advise. Guys, when you leave a review on iTunes with five stars, it's like basically... That's like the best way you can show support for us. Uh, so if you're listening right now, if you had any fun at all today, I really encourage you to go into iTunes. Why don't you leave five stars and say something really shitty to us? That's fine. You can do that too. Just as long as that five stars is there, it really helps us climb. Um, oh, we have a review right here. Christina just handed him. Okay. It says, the gym now thinks I'm a weirdo by Oregon Duck Bradford. Okay. 
masculine, muscular guy here who hits the gym daily and is obsessed with malls and her crew. Keep them coming. The last episode had me in stitches, so right, uh, so I had to write in. Happy to report that I was in the middle of lifting weights when you began talking about periods. I literally laughed out loud. Thanks. Now the gym thinks I'm a total weirdo. That review was very helpful to me. Thank you so much, Oregon Duck Bradford. I love that you laughed at the period stuff because most – I actually, when we were listening to it, I was like, this is not – Smart. You were that like, I like kicked off the first ten minutes of a podcast with like period talk, like you, way to get people to turn it off. I know you asked me to cut it down. I'm like, no, this is great. This is people need to hear this. I know, I know they need to hear it. I just I didn't know if we were being like, if it was getting like a little bit too intense. And I, and I by the way, I the last thing I care about is how much guys hate periods. <laughs> I just want to be successful and rich. Yeah. And so <laughs> when I think about from a marketing standpoint. Was that definitely, was that maybe the best move? Probably not, but I don't yeah. care. Yeah. That's fine. We have some very exciting things coming up, you guys. Um, would you guys be interested in seeing a Please Advise live show in Los Angeles? Oh God, live yes. podcast taping? Yes. If so, let us know. Yeah, uh, it might be something that we're going to do. If you want to express interest in that, we'll uh, tease it up. I definitely want to, if we do do a live podcast, though, haha, I said do do. If we do, uh, I really want to get the questions in advance so that we know that you guys are going to ask questions. We're going to ask people to ask their questions live as well. So if you are an exhibitionist and someone who has a question and you wouldn't mind asking one on stage, maybe start volunteering yourself now. Just email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. That's also where you can email us voice notes, by the way. That's what Lala does. And her voice notes sound really incredible. Like the quality is really good. I just love Lala. I love Hannah. We actually, I should skedaddle. We have to go meet Hannah for a drink. All right. Bye, you guys.